Welcome to the Moms of Tweens and Teens podcast. If some days you doubt yourself and you don't know what you're doing, if you've ugly cried alone in your bedroom because you felt like you're failing, well, I just want you to know you're not alone and you have come to the right place. Raising tweens and teens in today's world is not easy. And I'm on a mission to equip you to love well and to raise emotionally healthy, happy tweens and teens that thrive. I believe that moms are heroes and we have the power to transform our family and to impact future generations. If you are looking for answers, encouragement, and to become more of the mom and the woman that you want to be, welcome. I'm Cheryl Gould, and I am so glad that you're here. Hi, friend. Welcome to the show today, and I'm so glad that you're here listening in. And right now, as I record this, it is two weeks, almost two weeks before Christmas. Not even. Oh my gosh, it's it's one, one, it'll be a week from Monday. Oh my gosh, it's like I have not even finished all my Christmas shopping. So I've got like two weeks on the brain. I think I'm in denial. But whenever you're listening to this, you're going to get so much out of this episode. I was going to do one just me, but I'm going to save that till next to next week all about Christmas because I just spoke with a good friend and colleague of mine yesterday. We recorded this, Dr. Noreen Russell. She was with me and She, if you don't know her, it's the third time she's been on the show. She's an executive functioning and ADHD expert who founded Russell Coaching for Students. She's also the mother of two atypical children, and she has such a healthy perspective on just accepting our limitations about how we can show up and be more grace-filled with ourselves, how hard we are on ourselves, how she calls it tips and tricks, how we don't need to be focusing as much on the tips and tricks. I mean, yes, can tips be super helpful? Absolutely. But in this episode, we talk about, and especially Noreen talks about how it can really create so much stress and anxiety and how unkind we can be to ourselves and hard on ourselves. And this new mindset that she is adopting that will help us to free us from all the pressure that we put on ourselves and also that we put on our kids. And so I know you're going to be so encouraged to listen to this. I hope it's going to just be like a fresh, a fresh uh, breath of air for you, like a cold drink of water, or maybe because it's Christmas time, a hot cup of cocoa for you listening to this. I know I am so corny, um, but I just, I just wish and hope that you will go easy and gentle on yourself and I know that this episode is going to really help you to do that. So let's dive in. 
Well, I am so happy to be with you, uh, Dr. Russell. And since we're friends, we're colleagues, I'm going to call you Noreen. But I have so much respect for you and what you do and also the conversation that we had before we jumped on. We're both exhausted <laughs> and tired and weary and worn out. And I'm like, this, this is the best time because you're here to encourage moms. To We're going to talk about the struggle and how it's okay to struggle. Yeah. Yeah. And how giving ourselves grace. And I'm just going to start out by, I think, you know, this is the third time that you've been on the show. And um, you were in the part of the parenting summit that we did. And I just want you to tell our listeners what some of the things that were cropping up during your talk during your, you did a bonus call, what were some of the things that you were hearing over and over and over again that made you like feel like we got to come on here and we have to really talk about these things? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, first, thanks for having me. I mean, it is always so enlightening and encouraging to spend time with you. Um, it's good for my soul. It just is. And so I'm hoping that that your listeners will get the same message from us, especially today as we talk about, you know, this idea of you don't have to have all the answers all the time. You don't have to be perfect all the time. You don't have to try to control everything. So our conversation today is a lot coming from um, the summit conversation that we had and the bonus conversation there where people were asking, well, what happens if you're married to someone who has a different view of ADHD or autism. How do you make them see that they're wrong? Or, well, what happens when you have one child who's neurodiverse and one child who's not, or two that are, but in really different ways? How do you give them both what they need? And then another topic that came up there was, you know, how do you take care of yourself? You know, if you are caring for kids who have special needs or who are neurodiverse, um, you know, how do you make yourself a priority? And I loved the conversation I got to have with your listeners. And, and it's so stressful to be a parent these days. And I think right now, too, because what I'm seeing on social media is just this explosion of what I'm going to call tips and tricks. You know, everyone wants to have a presence. And so everyone's got five tips for surviving the holidays or six tips for, you know, getting through the end of the school year. And Cheryl, what, what I think we want to talk about today is it's okay to not have the answers. It's okay to struggle. It's okay to feel like, you know what? 
that's not going to solve it. Um, it's okay to step away from kind of this idea that we, especially as moms, have the responsibility to fix it all and do it all. And and so that's really where today's conversation came from, to the best of my ability to remember anyway. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we are so earnest and hardworking, but sometimes we can say to ourselves, just go take a nap or eat some ice cream or do whatever you want because it's likely going to be okay. And if it's not going to be okay, there's likely not going to be something you can do exactly right now. Ah, I feel like my shoulders, I've had them, they've been up on my ears today. And like, just talking to you, I feel everything relax. And I agree. Like I haven't, I know I got to get on Instagram and do those lives. And Mm. it's so interesting because I feel like I got to come up with these tips and tricks, which we talk, just like you're saying, and so much of it, that just puts so much pressure on us. Mm -hmm. And, and it's like, then we don't, we lose that. What is the word I'm looking for? Like, we feel all this pressure, like we're supposed to, there's a right answer. And if we're not doing that, if our tips and tricks fall out the window, then we are doing a bad job and it puts all this stress on us. And then we do, we do parent, I think out of that stress, like what, this is supposed to be working and it's not working with my kid. So therefore I must be failing. And my kid is, they're hard and difficult and they're not cooperating. And yeah, it just causes a bigger dilemma for us, a bigger mess. Well, and I think part of what you're saying in not so many words is it takes us away from our authentic selves, right? So I was just speaking to my therapist last week and I was speaking about, you know, the pressure of holidays and how for lots of different reasons, um, I feel this pressure to make the holidays, you know, perfect and what everyone else wants and just like they are on Pinterest and, you know, and, you know, some of that comes from different places. My, my ex's expectations, you know, not having great holidays when I was a kid. And she said, you know, I mean, Cheryl, listen to just how beautifully she distilled this. It's okay to have a pleasant Christmas. I was like, oh, pleasant. Isn't that lovely? Like with one word, she gave me permission to not have a perfect Christmas. We're just going to have a pleasant Christmas. And I think that we underestimate how important it is for us to just acknowledge where we're at and to say, things will come and go. Today, I'm exhausted. Tomorrow, I might have a lot of energy to make three kinds of cookies or to run a fundraiser at school or to do internet research on what to do with a kid who has, you know, severe school anxiety. But it's mostly just fine for us to be authentically where we are and not buy into this, oh, well, if I just, you know, did these three tips, then everything would be fine. 
sometimes the best thing to do is nothing at all. And, and so, you know, I've been thinking about this for several months, but I really, you know, we at Russell Coaching are going to move away from, you know, posting tips. And part of why we're going to do that is because we work with families that have really complex kids. But the other reason is that I have just had more and more of a response of, this is just putting pressure on parents. Um, You know, there was one I read that was about, you know, if you have kids who have sensory challenges and, and the first one was make the bath a positive sensory experience. I'm I about had a heart attack just reading that. And my, I don't give my kids baths anymore. They're teenagers, right? But I was like, oh, I remember those days though. Is the water too hot? Is the water too cold? Does the soap smell funny? Does the soap feel funny? Is the washcloth the right washcloth? Like, you know, somebody giving a tip to say, make the bath a sensory positive experience. It was like, wait, is all that on me? I'm supposed to figure all that out. If my kid has sensory issues, isn't the bath just going to be kind of hard? And, you know, maybe what I needed to hear was, you know, give a bath a few times a week and let the kid be dirty sometimes, you know, or, you know, let your preschooler choose when they're ready to have a bath or, understand that it's going to be a nightmare sometimes and you're going to be okay after that. You know, it was like this, the endless parenting tips for me just feels like endless pressure. Yeah. Wow. It's like a radical acceptance is what comes to the words that come to my mind. Like the, you know, the power of just being in whatever is happening and showing up without this pressure to feel like you got to change it and say the right thing or do the right thing or have the script or, you know, react a certain way. And then if you don't, then you're like beating yourself up because you did it wrong. It is. It's just exhausting. I think it takes us away from our own authentic experiences, right? Because we're being told or coached, you know, we'll follow these tips and, you know, family time will be great or your kid's room can be clean all the time. And it's like, wait a second, probably not, right? And so... (laughs) I have to laugh. Probably not. Yeah. Not right. <laughs> it's just a way from trusting ourselves and what we know to be true. And I think it also creates this um, kind of over-reliance on experts or others, right? Like rather than tips, why can't we post questions? You know, like, well, so what does it matter if the kid has a bath every day? What's the least amount of bathing you'd be comfortable with each week? What difference does it make if the kid's room is a mess? Yeah. Like, like, why aren't we posting questions that help us as moms and dads and caretakers and teachers think, wait a second, what matters to me? in this, as opposed to trying to meet society expectations, right? Why am I looking to all these 
other people, you know, and, and again, I put myself in that category. I don't want to be giving out tips anymore. You know, what's important to you? What would be, you know, one moment that you'd love to have over the holidays? What else doesn't matter? You know, what's one thing that you'd like your kid to get out of school this year and what things don't matter? Because you know who should be identifying that and defining that? It's me, right? Me for myself and my family. It's you for yourself and your family. I'm not going to tell you to go take a bubble bath and go have a Starbucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, no. But what all of us are helped by is being listened to. Absolutely. Well, and the question, because what works for me and what I might need in that moment won't be the same for you. And then, you know, and we have all these critical voices inside and things like you were even saying, you know, growing up, we got these beliefs that we need to question, like who said that my kid can't be dressed all in black and wearing shorts in the winter and, you know, going to school with their hair not brushed. What is, you know, like, what's that to me? And really, is that a big, is that a big deal? Yeah. Yeah. You know, is that a battle I'm wor- that's worth fighting? Like, I'm telling myself what? That, you know, they're never going to groom themselves when they get old. You know, I'm reading into all this stuff oh. and then we end up getting in this big fight because we're putting all this pressure. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, and especially with our, our tweens and our teens, right? We look at all those things and we connect them so quickly to adulthood. Like, oh, like, you know, they look like a slob today. They're never going to get a job. I mean, and and pretty much everything we see that we get anxious about it's they're never going to get a job they're never going to be an adult you know like oh they left their dishes at the table ah they're never going to be an adult no one's ever going to want to live with them you know what here's the thing there are plenty of people out there who never put their dishes away who have jobs who have partners who have happy lives right <laughs> so you know there are plenty of people out there who have stable jobs, who support themselves, who lived and died in, you know, black from head to toe with with heavy boots. And and maybe their mom or their dad was like, why are you dressing like that? You know, there are, you know, on the other side of things, plenty of girls who, you know, left the house, quote unquote, dressed like that, who, you know, are perfectly wonderful adults, full of caring and kindness and intelligence and drive and ambition. We forget that they are still growing at this time. I've had to recently, I've I've gotten very impatient. And I think it's because my 15 year old is like 5'10 now and probably close to 200 pounds. I'm like, he looks like an adult. He should behave like an adult. And I'm like, no, I'm wrong about that. I'm wrong about that. And for me personally, and I'm not advocating this particular mantra or perspective, but you know, it it jives a lot with being a developmental psychologist. You know what? He's on his own time. 
he's on God's time. He's on, you know, the universe's time. There, there is development that has to happen that is not going to get rushed because I think if I just follow, you know, 10 tips for a great first day of high school, that it's all going to be fine. I'm going to stress myself out. Send them to high school and say, have a great day, honey, and know that I am just so proud of you and I love you. Ah, this, yeah, such a different message. When did you feel like you've started um, that's led you to making this shift? You know, it's interesting. That's a great question. I think for a few years, I have been uncomfortable in that space. It's really probably been since I've started appearing on podcasts. And um, I start to have this feeling in my stomach of, but I want to meet that person where they're at, whoever's listening, right? I don't want to give the impression that I have the answers or that they don't have the answers, right? And so I've tried in the last three years or so, as I've done so many podcasts, to shape what's our mindset, right? What's our understanding? How do we approach the teens that we're parenting with grace and understanding? How does ADHD make sense if you have on your ADHD glasses? How does autism make sense if you have on your autism glasses, right? I've tried really hard instead of giving tips or selling, you know, well, if you've looked for the one thing that will always work with your kid with Asperger's, you need to tune in now. Because I think it's demeaning. And so I think for me, the shift has happened in the last few years um, as I've you know, broadened my reach by appearing on so many podcasts and wanting that parent out there who also has worked so hard, right? They've read a hundred tip lists. They've tried a thousand tricks, but nothing's working, right? And we know, you and I know as professionals that the answer is really in being listened to. The answer is in having the right questions. Tell me what's going on. Tell me where the struggle is. Tell me what's not working. Tell me what does work in other situations, right? Your sagest moments as a professional, whether you're a parent coach, whether you're a pediatrician, whether you're a psychiatrist, your wisest, most influential moments are when you're asking the question, not when you're giving the advice. You know, yeah, no. And so that's what I think we need to be thinking about. You know, I I, want to wipe off tipless, you know, altogether. Um, No one needs to parent from a tipless. We need to parent from our heart and our mind. Right. And, you know, so, yeah, I've just kind of radically in the last few months said, anytime I've been invited on a, on a show, I'm not doing 10 tips. Um, we've started pulling them um, off our Instagram. We'll try to say things like, you are the one who knows best what to do with your child. Here are some questions to ask yourself. What do I want? What do they want? What are our options? 
much more curious questions, then I have to have the answers. Yeah. And I was telling you before we got on here, you know, I've been kind of down and sad lately. And I just notice, you know, there's some things that are hard right now. Like we all have things that are hard. And I'm trying so hard to figure out exactly why I'm sad so I can fix it so I can get rid of the sadness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's things I'm really happy about and I'm excited about and and then I'm sad about and I may be angry about, you know, all those feelings. But I just notice like wanting to fix the sadness. And I think we live in a time of that. And you were saying where there's not space to for grief or we just have to fix it so we don't have to feel it mm-hmm. versus be in the process of it and just be gentle with ourselves. So much in what you just said. I mean, there's just so much in what you just said that first of all, fixing it doesn't even allow us to feel it, right? It it has us push it down, stuff it out, eat it up, you know? And, And kind of what it says is, I can't take this sadness. And that was a huge message that came across from the summit you did was how do we learn how to trust our tweens and teens with these big feelings that we don't have to fix it for them, that they are fully capable as human beings to experience the sadness of, not getting admitted to the high school they want, of not doing as well on a course that they wanted, of not having the date for homecoming that they dreamed of, of losing the big game, of being embarrassed at lunch, right? We need desperately to believe that they can tolerate those things and we need to role model tolerating them. You know, I'm all about, and I and, and I know you are too, we want resilience, right? And we want to have a positive attitude in the sense of having, you know, a belief in our ability to manage our own life. But there is also a very real element of toxic positivity in our culture where it's like, no, you're not allowed to feel sad about that. You're not allowed to feel sad about that. You're not allowed to feel sad about that. And I think it comes from the fact that we think, oh, if you feel sad, that's all you're ever going to feel. And you're going to only feel more sad. It's like, I, I think Cheryl, you and I can both acknowledge you might feel sad for a few weeks or a few months about a particular given situation. It's tolerable. You at the same time are also experiencing joy about other things in your life. You're feeling a sense of, you know, competency. You're getting your work done. We are complex human beings. The more we start to say, yeah, I have a lot of feelings right now. I have some sadness over here for this. I have some joy over here for this. I have some, you know, anticipation for this, we don't have to live in this 100% positive world all the time. I don't even think that's how we're designed to live. All of those feelings are what adds richness 
to our human experience. And as parents, we so need to be role modeling. Yep. That's a little sad. That's a little hard. Yeah. I, I too, I feel a little sad about that or yeah, I really wish it could be different. Yeah. Yeah. That's where the resilience comes in. That's the crazy thing Mm -hmm. is our kids become more resilient. And so do we, when we can allow ourselves to feel those things rather than trying to fix it, then it's like our, if our kid's anxious, we want to, and of course we do because we love them, but you know, we, it's like, we got to fix that anxiety Mm -hmm. versus, well, it makes sense that you're feeling Mm -hmm. anxious about that. Yeah. Yeah. And then we, yeah, we learn how to cope better with it. We do. There was a great article uh, came out a few weeks ago about, you know, and this so wasn't revolutionary, right? But it was this whole article in the New York Times about how, you know, this revolutionary therapy of, well, kids who are anxious, you know, figure out what it is that makes them anxious and let them start doing some of those low-level anxious things. Well, lo and behold, guess what happened? They got less anxious because they were tackling the things they were anxious about and they were doing them and they were seeing that, in fact, they were capable. And so, you know, there have been some big cultural things in the last 20 years that have created immense fear, you know, whether that's 9-11 for your family, whether it's, um, you know, economics and um, some of the economic, you know, difficulties of 2008, 2009, of the last few years, COVID, you know, there have been some huge culturally, you know, deep things that have caused us to be anxious. Um, and, And so I think it's a good time to say, you know what, maybe we don't have the same amount of money that we had 10 years ago. Maybe we are worried about getting sick a little bit more. Um, maybe it is more of a pain to travel, but you know, we're also going to cope with those things. Both things can be true, right? I can feel sad about it and I can experience joy in other lives and in other parts of my life. And, and, you know, I think both you and I would say, of course, if someone feels that their sadness has turned into clinical depression, you and I would both say, see a therapist, see a doctor, but it's important to differentiate this, you know, lower level sadness, temporary sadness, momentary anxiety from, you know, the disorders of anxiety and depression. Yeah, very good distinction. Um, And you said so many good things in there. I mean, I'm just like, (laughs) how much better it feels to just give our, you use the word permission, permission. Can I give myself permission to have a pleasant Christmas? With all, without all this pressure. And I was also thinking, I mean, doing what we do, um, 
I mean, I continue to do my own work with a therapist. I'm in a, I'm in a growth group too. And then lead groups like you do also and get your own support. And I find that the most powerful work that I can do is just let myself express my feelings. It's not, it's like I can come, I can dump out what I'm feeling, what's going on, and then have somebody else just validate my experience and that what I'm feeling makes sense. And then I can go into my day, not that there's not certain things that I have to wrestle with, like where do I need to have boundaries or, you know, asking those good questions, like what do I need, what do I want to do about this? What am I feeling? What steps do I need to take to take care of myself? But I think that, you know, we underestimate that just needing support to be able to talk about what's happening in our lives versus the fixing piece. Yeah. You know, and and we actually, we kind of already know this too, right? Many, many, many of us have been in relationships or marriages where there's a little bit of a misfit. You want to talk about how you're feeling. The other person wants to fix it, right? How do we develop language around, oh, like, I want to talk about it versus it doesn't need to be fixed. And I think that's the same conversation we can have with our kids, Um, you know, is that, you know, do you need me to listen to you right now? Do you want to brainstorm some ideas? Um, I have total faith that this will get worked out, whether it's through something you do or in some other way, but first thing I'm going to do is listen to you. And I really want to make sure I understand what you're going through because we do people a disservice when we think they need us to fix it. They don't need us to fix it. Yeah. And we also assume a whole lot, don't we? We we know what they're saying or we have our own agenda. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Versus just listening to them. Yeah. What, what would you say, you were saying when we first got on here that one of the common questions that, or one of the questions that was coming up during this summit was, um, what if you have a partner that doesn't see things the way that you see things? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I remember talking about this during the bonus call on the summit and, and you know, initially the questions were very much along the lines of, and 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 I want to respect the reason why people were asking this question. They're wanting to do the right thing for their kid, right? How do I get my ex or how do I get that kid's dad to understand? How do I get them to show up for appointments? How do I get them to get on board with therapy, right? And I remember at the time saying, you can't, um, you know, you can't, you can't change how they're going to show up. You know, you, you, you really can't. What you can do is figure out how you're going to show up and you can help your kids show up. But, you know, if there's another adult in your kid's life who doesn't show up the way you would like, we can talk about how that feels and that it's sad and that it's frustrating, but it's actually not your job to get them to show up how you would like them to show up. 
<laughs> yeah. And it doesn't work very well, does it? No, but but all the time we get that message, right? You need to. Like, well, his mom needs to. Her dad needs to. You know what? It's not on me. It's not on me, right? It's on them. Um, and and I see this all over the place. Like, and I think we would all feel a lot less anxious if we just said, you know what? I can do what I can do. And I'm going to try every day to do the best I can do every day. Sometimes it's going to be great. Sometimes not, right? I'm going to give myself grace there. But I can't make that other person read articles on ADHD. I can't make other people read articles on, you know, the impact of hormones on mood. I can't make that other person read articles on why listening is your number one tool for working with teens. You know, I can suggest, right? But I don't have to put that pressure on me to to make it happen. Yeah. We don't have that power. We're not God, right? I feel like. And I don't know if you were ever a controlling person. I mean, I can still want to control things all the time. But I was raised in a home where I was kind of the one that was mediating everything. I was in a step home and trying to fix everything and mediate everything. And I think that's why I do what I do now. But realizing I really didn't have that control. And I was getting all these migraine headaches. I couldn't figure out, you know, what is going on with me. And it was, I I was carrying so many things thinking I could control it, but it does not work. And in fact, with tweens and teens, if you're trying to control them or if you're trying to control a spouse or an ex, it usually backfires because ultimately they feel criticized. They don't feel seen. They don't feel heard. They feel like you're trying to change them constantly and they're never good enough. Yeah. And I, I took me a long time to realize that. And we need, I mean, what I think we need in this conversation are not tips and tricks, but words to say, like, you know, for my 15 and a half year old who he struggles with his moods, right? And and he does his best with his moods, but man, he got the short end of the stick genetically, you know, kind of in every way around moods is, I think we need words. I'd love for other moms to say, here are the affirming words I say to my 15-year-old. Because this is what I say to him. You did a great job being 15 today. It is not easy being 15. I struggled when I was 15. And of all the hard things that you had to cope with today, I saw you trying so hard. And I just want you to know, I love you and I'm going to love you tomorrow, right? But I'd love to have six or seven versions of that, you know, one for every day of the week. For my 13-year-old who's almost 14, you know, I'll say to her, I love the fact that you speak your truth, and that you are honest about who you are. It's inspiring to me. And when I think about myself at that age, I think I knew a lot of what you know, but I didn't know that it was okay to say it. And so you are a beautiful and amazing person because you know how to say it. And I just want you to know, I'm always going to respect that about you. But I would love to have books full of affirming words to say 
to my teenagers and not tricks for getting them to clean up their rooms. I think that we were on to something here. We need to write it. What are because we tend to focus on what we want to fix. What, you know, and I know my oldest is 33. I, for a long time, you know, when she was a tween and teen, I was treating her like a fixer upper project, you know, like trying to fix or trying to fix that mood or whatever, you know, it was that I didn't like versus you are the truth teller in this family. And wow, I would be very, you know, I need to listen to what you have to say. Because you see things and that I don't see. And, you know, to affirm her for that. But instead, at the time, it was just inconvenient. (laughs) You know, she was telling me some hard truth that was true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's exactly what you're saying to see the to see that part in them that we can validate of what's good. Yeah. About about them. Yeah. Because you know what? The thing is, they're going to grow up to be people who either are clean or are slobs. They're going to grow up to be people who, you know, jump from job to job or have a steady job. We're not always under control of, of all. Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. You know, like we overestimate at this teenage stage how much we have to direct their course into adulthood. And you know, I just think focus on saying what you're seeing in terms of strengths and good decision making and and maintain that relationship. But yeah, as you put it, they're not a fixer upper project. They're a human being in growth mode. Yeah, we need to remember that, don't we? They're growing. And so are we. So and why do we think we, we have to, and why do we think we have to know the answers or have it all figured out? We don't. No, we don't. And and that is why we all just need to be reading inspiration and affirmations and you know kind of setting level. Some days are going to be okay, some days are going to be less okay, but overall life's pretty pleasant. Mhm. I love that. I love that. Well, Noreen, gosh, I mean, we could go on and on. And I know you, you know, you have uh, kids texting you. Like they do. <laughs> and, um, but um, I just want you to tell them where to find you. And you, this has just been so care for me talking to you. I feel energized. I was like tired and being with you, you know, it is, it's, uh, it is soul care for me. So I, I know that other moms that are listening are going to feel encouraged by what you've had to share. I And I, I feel convicted. Like, I want to go take my tips and tricks off of my Instagram feed now <laughs> because we think we have to have those. But to everybody that's listening, you don't have to have the tips and tricks. No, you know, you know, yeah. and you'll figure it out. Sit with yourself. So. Yeah, this is really, this is the philosophy that underlies 
the parent coaching that I do at Russell Coaching. So um, if you want to learn more about what we do, we are at russellcoaching.com. That's two S's and two L's, russellcoaching.com. And what we offer is parent coaching for parents who are you know, in any kind of transition, um, any kind of struggle, who want to be um, less anxious and more relaxed, um, who want to be strengths-based as parents. They want to be parents who are focused on the strengths of their kids. Um, so we do. We offer parent coaching, and then we offer academic coaching to students starting in first grade and going all the way through college. So most of the students that we see for academic coaching have ADHD, autism, anxiety, learning differences, and they're very bright, right? They are so very bright. They have the intellectual potential. It's all those other skills that are getting in the way. Organization, time management, getting started on things, finishing things, being an advocate. You know, they're we, we call them executive functioning skills, but they're they're the life skills piece of school, not just the pure smarts piece. So russellcoaching.com, you can find all of our social media there. We're on LinkedIn, we're on Instagram. Um actually have a pretty good following on YouTube. Um, but all of the podcasts that I've done are on Russell Coaching. And so that's a nice way to get an introduction to my philosophy, to what we do, and and why it's really different from a um, fixes and solution mentality, why it's really about growth and development and skill building. Yeah. What I I can't think of a, a place that I would rather be than I I wrote down just now like safety like feeling safe because we're already judging ourselves mm-hmm. and to be in a safe place like what you offer you're not going to be judged mm-hmm. I'm not going to try and fix you mm-hmm. you can show up however you are and you're going to be accepted and embraced here and loved on and supported. So I just thank you so much for what you're doing and for your message and reminding us, especially as we go into the holidays, that it is okay to have a pleasant Christmas. And if you have a hard day, that's okay. (laughs) It is. is. Odds are you're going to survive it. And odds are the next day will be sort of different. And regardless, you're going to make it. You're strong, you're tough, you are resilient. It's okay to let yourself feel the hardness and the sadness, because at the same time, we're also feeling joy and anticipation. It has been a total pleasure talking with you today. We have gotten, I think this is the deepest conversation we've had, so we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to really get silly next time. Um, and, and <laughs> um, this has been great for me. Uh, great for me too. And we will, we'll have you back on and we'll be silly. We'll have to think about that. (laughs) Okay. Sounds good. Well, that's it for today. And thank you friend for joining me. And I hope that you're feeling encouraged after listening. I hope that you feel a little freer, a little lighter, and that you can give yourself permission to not have it all figured out, to not have it all together to be able to know that you showing up really matters. And that's the most important thing that we can do and that we can give our kids. And we do not have to have it all together, nor do we. 
and that is okay. So living that this week, I hope you're feeling the love and I will be back here next week and that's when I'm just going to be with you and we're going to talk about some of the joys, some of the challenges, having kids home for Christmas and I know it's going to be a meaningful time together. So have a wonderful week and I will see you back here next week.